and this is all about you know love and he goes so a lot of you don't understand that love is action love love is strong love is powerful so what i love these young athletic men here this true definition of what love is he says love is sacrifice man it's willing to be there when nobody else will be it's willing to step up and take a hit for the other guy and i mean i was like yeah that's the kind of love that we need to know and understand ladies and gentlemen welcome to the salty pastor podcast a podcast designed to coach you up in i'm going to redo that ladies and gentlemen welcome to the salty pastor podcast a podcast designed to coach you up in your faith the more you know the more you can grow you live in a world that is more confusing than ever before you live in a nation where there is no longer a unified belief system that binds us together as people the only way to navigate a world like that is to know what you believe and why you believe it our goal is to give you the tools the facts and the perspective to think for yourself you will hear things on this podcast that you won't hear anywhere else so give yourself the best gift ever this christmas and become a regular listener of the salty pastor podcast Yes. My name yes. is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the salty pastor himself, Dr. <laughs> Douglas Peak. Hey, everyone. So good to be with you today. We are in December of 2023. It's the Christmas season. Love this time of the year. I love the music especially. And I love the fact that we get to talk about the kingdom of God and how it has come through the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm excited about the series that we're in, and I'm excited about studying what the scriptures have to teach us about what is actually going on in this world and how we can navigate it. Absolutely. And we are in the December of 2023 and we're focusing on the birth of Jesus and how his birth ushered in a new kingdom, a kingdom that's challenged the old kingdom and the kingdom of this world. And if you can understand the radical challenge of the kingdom of Jesus to the existing kingdoms at that time, your faith is going to grow stronger. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Simply because you see the power and strength of what you believe in a practical way, the kingdom of Jesus does have a practical impact in this world. It's not just this thing that you just kind of do sometimes. It radically transforms the way you see and perceive the world around you. Absolutely, 100%. The birth of Jesus is the birth of a new kingdom, and we see this over and over again. You know, we talked last week, one of the passages that we read was Isaiah chapter 9, and remember, he said right in that little uh, passage, verse 6, he says, For unto us a child will be born, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Eternal Father. And isn't that an interesting phraseology? He says the government, so this new kingdom will be on his shoulders. So that that's a Hebrew idiot meaning you know, he is the foundation of this kingdom and they're going to call him wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, which I think is a really interesting phraseology, Prince of Peace. And then he says this, he goes, there will be no end to the increase of this government. So there, in other words, it will start to grow and it will never stop. And what's really interesting is Jesus alludes to this in Matthew uh, 16, where Peter gives his confession of faith. He says, blessed are you, Simon, for man has not revealed this to you, but God has. Because mm, what did yes, Simon, yes, Simon yes. confess? He goes, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So the kingdom of this world cannot stop it. 
mm. from growing. And this is exactly what Isaiah prophesied 600 years before Peter spoke those words. And he says, he goes, there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David. So you hear the word throne there mm. and over his kingdom and to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and, and listen to this word, forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of the armies will accomplish this. So you see this prophecy that what Jesus brought at his birth was a new kingdom. Yeah, I think just understanding the fact, I mean, we've been talking about the kingdom of God all year um, as part of the sermon focuses here at Foothills and just as the focus of a lot of your messages. But I think it's really just coming into final clarity as we wrap this up this year is that Jesus came to set up a new kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. Like when he was born, a new kingdom was also born, right? And Correct. it's slowly growing and we can choose to be part of it or we can choose to uh, reject, it. reject it. And one of them is going to win and we already know who that is. Yes. And you got to decide what, how, whether you want to be on the winning side or the losing side, right? Yes. That's kind of the choice that you make up front. Yeah. Yep. So I think it's just really cool to see that this isn't just like, this is woven throughout um, scripture about how this new yeah. kingdom, how the kingdom of the world will fall, how this new kingdom will rise and we have a king who will return and lead us to that, right? Yeah, and up until, you know, the birth of the United States, uh, most kingdoms and empires had a very strong religious component to it, and the religion was very tied to the expanse of the empire itself. You see this in the uh, Babylonians, the Assyrians. You see this even with the Seleucids and the uh, Akkadians. You see this with the Greeks, right? The whole Greek godhead is what gave them the strength and power to expand under Alexander the Great. Then you see the Roman gods. I mean, it, the Roman gods were a huge part of how the society was ordered and structured. You see this in all the Islamic caliphates, right? Uh, after the fall of Rome and their growth, they're, they're, you know, it is very much a welding together of religious ideology and the way society is structured. And what's interesting is you go back in, into the Old Testament and you even see prophecies about this. A famous one is in Daniel chapter 2. And let me read it for you. It, it's, a, it's a little bit long. It's about five or six, I don't know. No, it's about 10 verses. And uh, I'll read it for you and we'll kind of go through it real quick. But what happens is he's in Babylon and so he's under the Babylonian captivity. And during this time, the Babylonian empire ruled everything, right? And one of the kings there uh, had a dream and then asked Daniel to interpret it. And so in verse 31 of chapter two, it says, you, O king, were watching and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary radiance, was standing in front of you and its appearance was awesome. The head of that sta statue was made of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron and its feet, partly of iron and partly of clay. So that's what the king saw and okay. he you know, reiterated this He's repeating to Daniel. Back. Okay. Right. So Daniel's repeating it. Okay. This is what you saw. 
he goes, verse 34, you continued watching until a stone was broken off without hands. So what he's saying is that there was a stone that rose up like out of a mountain and nobody picked it up and threw it. It just rose up like it, it you know, like a spaceship or something elevated right. on its own. And it says it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed to pieces all at the same time. So he's saying the stone came up, came in, and smashed this giant statue mm -hmm. made of all these different materials. They were like chaff from the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. Side note, if you're an Avengers fan and you had... The last two movies, they're fighting Thanos, right? Mm -hmm. And Thanos wants to wipe out big chunks of the universe, right? right. And so he, he gets all this power from these stones, snaps his fingers, and how do the people disappear? They basically crumble away into dust. And then they blow away into non-existence. Yeah. That's exact. They got the idea of what that looks like from this passage of Scripture because mm. that's exactly what he's describing. He's saying, because that, that's chaff. You see how the, it breaks up into those little particles, and then they just float away. Right. He says, they were like chaff from the threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that there was not a trace of them found. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you ever made that connection before, I did, not, did I did not attach Avengers to a <laughs> verse in the Bible. Okay. It, but this isn't. Listen to what he says next. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the entire earth. Okay? So he says, this is what you saw. And he goes, verse 36. Now let me tell you what the dream means. He goes, this was the dream, and now we will tell you its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. Now isn't that interesting? He says to the Babylonian king, which was the most powerful kingdom or empire in history at that time, he says, you are the king of kings to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the honor. And wherever the sons of mankind live or the animals of the field or the birds of the sky, he has handed them over to you and has made them you or has made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. Remember the top thing was gold and very radiant. Mm -hmm. He goes, now after that, after you, another kingdom will arise inferior to you then another third kingdom of bronze which will rule over all the earth and a lot of people believe that well if the head if daniel says the head is the babylonian the next kingdoms were the medo persian and greece okay. right so though they are inferior he says then there will be one of iron right then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron just as iron smashes and crushes everything so like iron that crushes, it will smash and crush everything or all of these things. So a lot of people think, okay, he's talking about Rome. Okay. Now there's some people that like to argue about this into eschatology. And so, but most people agree that these are the first kingdoms he's talking about. Then here's where it gets interesting. And in that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom. But it will have within it some of the toughness of iron since you saw the iron mixed with common clay. Now, a lot of people, and, and I was talking to one of our elders about this, uh, we got to think that what that means is Islam. 
because Islam is a divided kingdom. A lot of people don't realize it's Sunni and Shia, okay? Yeah. And it is divided, and they spend a lot of time fighting with each other until they get, you know, connected and then fight against infidels or Jewish people, okay. right? Then they become unified. So they and they can make a lot of damage, and they have. So there's a lot of different interpretations on. I don't want to go too deep into that because that's not the point. He says, he says, um, uh, as we pick up at verse forty-two. And just as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be fragile. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay. They will combine with one another in their descendants, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not combine with pottery. So he, he's describing that last kingdom, and, you know, it could be Islam. Verse 44, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all of these kingdoms, but it itself will endure forever. And just as you saw that a stone was broken off from the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is certain and its interpretation is trustworthy. Notice what he says. The divine kingdom will rise up and it won't be risen up by human hands or human means. See, that's the point of the stone coming out of the mountain. It wasn't brought out with hands. It wasn't hewn or uh, mined out and then built. What all these other precious metals, what, you know, gold, silver, bronze, what are all those metals? They are all mined out of the ground by human hands. Right. You see? But the divine kingdom is not, and he calls it a forever kingdom. Isn't that interesting? And he says, it will shatter and crush all the other kingdoms, and it once again will be the kingdom of the future. Mm. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that this is all predicted, and it runs out just like you said. And I mean, obviously, you hear that there's some scholars that believe this maybe is playing out further into the you know other times. But I think what's interesting is this symbology in the dream is something that, again, we are able to really understand and kind of see how these would change as different things are happening. You know, mm -hmm. Rome is strong. Rome was yeah. strong. Yes. It was so powerful. Yes. Not that Babylon wasn't and not that the Persian and the Greek kingdoms weren't either, but just like as a whole, mm -hmm. we see that these are paired and it, and we see it play out exactly as it said. And what we, what I love to see is obviously this rock rises up, becomes a giant mountain and then basically takes over the whole earth. And mm -hmm. we see that as the divine kingdom. And that happens right after Rome is kind of at the height of its power. Jesus is born. And then we start seeing mm -hmm. the, the new kingdom. And what, arise what is and grow. Jesus called? He's called the, rock the, the corner stone stone yes. on which everything is built. Yeah. Right. And then you go back to the Isaiah passage that we read earlier and it says the government will rest where on, on his, his shoulder. shoulders. Yeah. You see, you, the Old Testament is just filled with this is what the birth of Christ means. You know, it's so powerful. You look back in uh, chapter 52 of Isaiah. Listen to what he says in verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news and publishes peace, 
who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, and who says to Zion, Your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice together, they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you wasted place of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed, he has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. So you can see that this has a lot of kingdom, right? Yes. Flavor to it in Zechariah verse 14. I don't think in 350 episodes of the salty pastor, I've quoted out of Zechariah. I was going to say, I don't think I've, I don't think so either. This is the first. We've gone a lot of places, but Zechariah is not one of them. Chapter 14, verse nine, it says this, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. And on that day, the Lord will be the only one and his name, the only one. And then what does it say in Philippians? Chapter 3, it said that all authority was given to him so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Mm. And so my point is, is that we see this imagery in the Old Testament that the birth of Jesus was the birth of uh, this kingdom coming into the earth. It was the, the beginning, the seed of this new kingdom being launched in Daniel chapter seven. Let's go back to that prophetic statement since it's so accurate. It seems it says, I saw in the night visions and behold with the clouds of heaven, there came like came one, like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, which is a word for God. And he was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. Isn't that interesting? His dominion, his rulership, his kingship will be everlasting. It will never pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall never be destroyed. And you said earlier that this new kingdom came with Christ and it's been growing ever since Christ and his resurrection. It's getting bigger and bigger. And our choice really is to understand that ultimately that kingdom, right, reigns supreme. And so we get to choose whether to accept it or reject it. We still have free will. That's our choice. But. We cannot get a, escape the fact that the Old Testament and the New Testament, all the prophecies and all the fulfillment of those prophecies about the birth of Christ were all about Jesus is a king. He is the king of kings. And what he brings with him is a new kingdom. And this kingdom is about dominion. It's about might. It's about power. It's about righteousness. It's about justice. It is a strong and powerful kingdom. Yeah, I think what I love so much is sometimes as Christians are are newer in their faith, they're like, well, why do we even have this whole Old Testament thing, right? Like, yeah. what's the point of having this whole back half of the book? Because a lot of what Jesus supposedly did is he got rid of a lot of the stuff that they talk about, right? Like mm -hmm. he's he started this new thing, so why don't we just use the New Testament yeah. and not worry about it, right? right? And this is one of the key reasons, right? Yes. Is littered throughout the entire Old Testament is basically why we needed him in the first place. Yes. And all of the prophecy and 
and claims of what will happen when he does return and be clay in and become the king and and his kingdom grows into taking over the whole Absolutely. realm, right? And so it's like, I think that's what's so key. If you're newer in your faith or you just don't understand why we have such a thick book and we only focus on the <laughs> back third of it, this is the reason why. There's so many parts where things are laid out of why we need Jesus, what he will do, how it will happen, and where it's going. And I think that's so, so important about understanding that the new kingdom that is growing, this new mountain that is forming, at the top of it, the king is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and you know, the most interesting thing about prophecy is that it gives you an idea, right, of, oh, this is being fulfilled. It sounds familiar enough and it's descriptive enough to give you an idea of when it is being fulfilled, you can see it happen and you go, without a shadow of a doubt, boom, that's it, right? right. Um, the, the difficulty with the Old Testament is when people go back and they try to use the Old the Old Testament law, the Old Testament Jewish faith to articulate how people under the new covenant are supposed to live and exercise faith, right? right. And so that that's where the mistake, I think, is often made. But the notion that the Old Testament isn't inspired or a part of the word of God, the revelation of God, that's just silly because you can't understand the fulfillment of the prophecy if you can't read the prophecy, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to be able to read the prophecy. You got to know what the what the the point was. What right? the point was. And the other thing it does is that the prophecy was given in a context, right? A cultural mm. context. And when you read it, it helps you really start to understand, wow, this is that what we think without the Old Testament. Let me phrase it this way. Without the Old Testament prophecies, then our misunderstanding of Jesus being born as a baby would be worse than it already is right now. <laughs> okay. And that is, is that what we don't understand sometimes, and we miss this point, and I know I'm driving it home, and that's the whole point of this whole series, is that is, is the new kingdom a kingdom of love? Yes. Is the new kingdom a kingdom of uh, mercy? Yes. Is it a kingdom of healing? Yes. Is it a kingdom of redemption? Yes, but we seem to forget that it's a kingdom. And in a kingdom, there is only one king, and you're not him. I'm not him. Jesus is the king, and he's the king over any other king that would try to present itself. So by understanding, wow, this is a kingdom with dominion and power and authority and might, mm -hmm. it helps us understand that our statements of love, mercy, and grace have power behind them, right? They have strength behind them. Uh, I was listening to the new coach for Boise State talk about his, they, they said, hey, he's, you know, Spencer Danielson is the new coach for Boise State Broncos. Very happy about that personally. And just he gets up and he says, look, Jesus is my king and he's my Lord. And that's what this is all about for me. And, and this is all about, you know, love. And he goes, Some, a lot of you don't understand that love is action. Love, love is strong. Love is powerful. So, boy, I love these young athletic men here this true definition of what love is. He says, love is sacrifice, man. It's willing to be there when nobody else will be. It's willing to step up and take a hit for the other guy. And I mean, I was like, yeah, that's the kind of love that we need to know and understand. And, and we can't know and understand that love if 
we don't understand the Old Testament prophecies about this is a kingdom of power and authority mm. and righteousness and judgment. And so that's why when we read the Old Testament stuff, the statements in, in the New Testament, like the one from Jesus, I, I preached on this a few weeks back, but in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, uh, he had just cast out a demon and the Pharisees were saying, oh, you're doing this by the king power of Satan, you know, or right. Beelzebub. And Jesus says, it says, knowing their thoughts, Jesus says to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. All right. And no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he has become divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if by Beelzebub I cast out the demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, and here's the key phrase, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. See, so the very power of God has now become upon us and been manifested in our earthly presence. Or how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first ties up the strong man and then he will plunder his house? And I think what Jesus is specifically saying is that I have come to tie up the strong man because I'm going to plunder his house. I'm, gonna, I'm going into Satan's kingdom and I am bringing back the, you know, the people to God. I'm here to save people, I'm not here to condemn them, but to save them. But what I am doing to do that, I have to defeat the power of this worldly kingdom. So I have to defeat the power of addictions. I have to defeat the power that evil thinking has over people. I have to defeat the selfishness of nations. I have to defeat the evil morality of, you know, terrorists who want to not only kill innocent women and children, but, but rape them to death. I mean, and then gloat about it. That's just evil, and that needs to be defeated. And I think that Jesus has come to say, I have come to tie up the strong man, right? And I did that at the cross and the resurrection, and now what I'm going to do is I'm going to plunder his house. And ever since then, it has been a free invitation. It's not by coercion or force, but it's come into the kingdom of God. And to date, you know, 2,000 years later, 2.9 billion people alive today have made that choice. Yeah, I think it's really, really clear how the scriptures lay out that this new kingdom is going to be brought forth by Jesus, right? Like right. there's, no, there's question no question about where the new kingdom is coming from, what will what will be the catalyst for it, right? And so I think that's really cool that it's he so king. clear. He the king. He's my king. That's he my, my king. king. That's right. Um, and SM Lockridge says yes. it the best. And so he's here to create this new kingdom, and that kingdom will reign forever. Yes. And you got to decide which side you're going to be on. Yes. So, any final thoughts? Well, I just think that, you know, the beautiful thing about Christmas is that, you know, when I think about the things that we celebrate at Christmas the most, which is a celebration of the birth of Christ, is that we have to remember the source of every good thing. I think one of the difficulties today that we have is that we celebrate the downstream effect and we forget where the flow of life comes from, the upstream source, right? And for instance, uh, I was talking to some people recently and they were saying, yeah, you know, I really, I want to go to this benefit. You know, this is the time of benefits, mm -hmm. you know, November, December. Giving. 
I get invited to, I don't know, 15, 20 different benefits, you know, and I've been to all kinds of benefit events. I've been to the zoo, Boise benefit. I've been to uh, Ambrose's gala. I've been to upstreams. I've been to political ones. I've been to nonprofit ones. And I have to tell you, they're always really cool right there i i enjoy the benefits uh, uh these these galas these things that are designed to mm-hmm. raise money and what i thought was so interesting about it in the giving to all that and people are giving to all these things is that i sit there and i start to think if it wasn't for jesus and the birth of the church there would be none of these galas there there would be no ministry to you know kids with cancer or kids that need to get off the street and learn how to cook in life's kitchen. Uh, there, there wouldn't be any, you know, schools, right, to support, private Christian schools. None of those things would exist if it wasn't for Jesus and the church. Mm. That's where it all came out from. And so it's always really important, and I think this is why I'm focusing on this series, is that we can never forget that Jesus was born as a king and the church is how his kingdom is expanding. And so if we stop giving to that, if we stop remembering that that is the source of all everything else, then what happens is we end up in the Old Testament going, why is all this bad stuff happening to us? Why has right. God forgot us? And, you know, the book of Malachi is written for this purpose and the book of Malachi is basically you know God is not done with you yet and he wants to pour out his blessing he goes but the problem is is you've inverted it and he talks about how they done that and you can read the book of Malachi if you want to dig into that the point is is of the book of Malachi is that when we forget the upstream priorities the real core values of where everything flows from and if we don't focus on that first everything else falls apart down the path it's this it's true in your family you know, your family is built on your marriage, right? And even though you have five kids in 15 different sporting events and you got all this gift giving that you're doing, don't ever forget that the family is built upon the covenantal love between you and your spouse. Mm. Don't ever forget that. Always celebrate. And what makes it possible for you and your wife to have a covenantal love with each other? Jesus does. You know, and it's that way. So always remember that. Remember that the source is the thing we must always honor and cherish first, and then everything else falls into place. And that's why this Christmas we are focusing on that Jesus wasn't just born, but he was born the King of Kings. Well, thank you, Pastor, for sharing all of this with us. We are, I'm just really loving this series as we wrap up this kind of focus of the year and focusing on that he is a king. He's not just he a baby, king. he's That's a right. king. And I love that. And uh, I want to invite you guys, if you know, we just talked about um, it's the end of the year. If you are outside the Foothills community and you're a listener of the Salty Pastor mm-hmm. uh, podcast, consider giving a gift to support this ministry and expand its outreach. You know, you're going to be. Uh, asked by a lot of different groups and organizations to give money at this time of year. But um, if this has made an impact in your life, if it is challenging you and growing you, then consider making a donation to the Salty Pastor so that we can continue to grow our reach and uh, grow other people's mm-hmm. belief systems. And you can do that through foothills.org slash give um, and other ways coming soon. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor podcast. Merry Christmas. Thank you.